tear your soul apart. Turret. Episode 2, Jallo. We should introduce ourselves, right? Because we didn't do that. Everybody was flipping out. Not everybody. Why didn't you introduce yourself? <laughs> so this is uh, Tear Them Apart, horror podcast that we do. I'm Evan Dorkin. I'm Paul Yelovich. And we can put that at the beginning this time instead yeah, of at the not? end. Why not? So we decided that we would talk about Jallo, right. which hopefully I'm pronouncing correctly. Jallo for the singular. Jolly. Jolly. We're going to go into jail because jail is an interesting subject for the two of us and hopefully for the people listening. It's something that I don't know a lot about. I've watched probably a handful of films. I've done. I've not done a deep dive because I don't want to know too much and sound like I, I want to be here for the person who doesn't get it. Because I've had a lot, we've had a lot of discussion about Giallo films over the years as we've seen them and how you got really into them. Sure, huge fan. And you've been tracking them down and doing the hunt and, and going through them all. I caught up on a few that you. I asked you, to, what should I watch? I'm trying to acclimate to Jalo because for years I hated it. I couldn't, I mean, I, I, just, I would appreciate certain scenes, but I did not like Argento. I did not like uh, most of what I'd seen. I was combining it with the zombie films, which are just insane. Sure. And I just, the, the lack of logic and everything was driving me nuts. And I told you, we had a talk, I think, on the phone that I had like an epiphany that I was watching House, the Japanese movie, Houseu, and I loved it, and it doesn't make any sense. And I knew that going in. So that if I can appreciate Japanese films that don't make any sense, why am I putting a bias on the Italian films? So I'm diving in now, and I'm finding that I could enjoy it more. You want to sum up what we're talking about here? Well, it originally comes from there were these cheaply made yellow-covered paperbacks that were reprints of Agatha Christie and other Edgar Wallace I think which is he's a we should talk about him a little bit even though he's kind of dull right so you you get that that's where the name comes from right yeah with Edgar Wallace there was a series of German films that are thriller mystery whatever you want to call them called crimey and there's a lot of them right those I know from Psychotronic mostly because it's the first time I hit Right. His name, to be honest, I had not. He's just never been reprinted here. Uh, but he's huge in Europe, and uh, he's so influential on Old Dark House and thrillers that seem a little horror-like mysteries. Where mm. you know, but um, anyway, we can talk about that afterwards. But yeah, so you've got Edgar Wallace and Agatha Christie. So, so the, and these the, paperbacks are getting made, right? So, so the the crimey. If I'm pronouncing that yeah, right, well, genre yeah, yeah, yeah. is really popular. The Italians, which are known to look at popular genres in film and put their own spin on yeah. them, they start doing it. But it's weird because it really doesn't start making money till Argento puts out Bird with the Crystal Plumage. Right. That is a hit. Right. So before that, Mario Bava is credited with creating the genre in The Girl Who Knew Too Much, right. a.k.a. Evil Eye. Evil Eye. Right. right. Evil Eye, I think, is the American cut it of it. Is. Yeah, I is... wanted to talk about that. Yeah. It, it, one of the things that when we talk about films is obviously we're advocating that people watch this stuff. We yeah. want people to watch it, even if they, you know, just see if they don't like it. But there's so many cuts of some of these things, oh, and yeah. some of them should be avoided. Right. And there's, you know, Evil Eye, I think you should watch 
second, if you can. Yeah, it's... Try to get a hold of The Girl Who Knew Too Much, which I ended up catching on, I think, TCM years ago with Sarah. We both really enjoyed it. But it was also running around on Netflix when they did a big bava. And I tried to watch everything that I could. Yeah, there was a lot on there. That was terrific. I looked quickly. I was The one thing I was surprised about, there's not as many Gialli as I thought there were. No, it's not a genre like there's martial a, arts films. Yeah, there's not from, hundreds yeah. of them. There's dozens, and I'm sure, and we'll get into the arguments. What is, what isn't. Not that I think that's super important, really. Yeah, I think 10 years ago when I was looking into it, people said there were like 60. And then yeah. they go, no, there's much more than that. And unfortunately, retroactively, a lot of people start saying these movies count. And of course, that's people's opinions. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, if you enjoy them, just start watching everything. Yeah, I cares? figure, you know, if you you know, you don't have to just watch Hong Kong, Netflix, you can get you can watch right. other Asian country or anything that's got martial arts. Real quick, so you get you get Bava, who's influential already, obviously influential on Argento. Is there anybody else that you know of in the 60s that are doing something similar? Because it seems like there's other films mentioned that people don't yeah, throw in there. There are, but Unfortunately, I haven't seen it. Right, not really trans transferred over. Yeah, I mean, you get the girl who knew too much. Then Bava makes Blood and Black Lace, right. and then Argento makes Bird with the Crystal Plumage, and the genre is now ready to run. So the thing is, after Blood and Black Lace is the first color giallo, and there's a gap between that and Bird with the Crystal Plumage. It no, looked no. like to me, like nobody touched it, or is it just no. that Argento was he? Those films are just not coming over because they didn't make a dent in foreign. You know, it's hard for me to get a grip on when everybody was calling this giallo. Right. You have this really interesting thing in The Girl Who Knew Too Much. The supernatural powers of the evil eye claim still another victim. Its malevolent enjoyment of tantalizing torture hangs threateningly over John Saxon, Letitia Roman, and Valentina Corteza. Oh, she was always against me. She hated me. It begins on a plane, and she's reading... I noticed that. Yeah, yeah she's reading a jello. Right, so... The Knife. Right. It's a fake one, I think, but it's funny as right, hell. It's exactly. huge letters, and I was like, it's amazing to me to see the genre kicks off with literally... Yes. They're shoving the yeah. book in your this, face. This They're the, showing, look, it's a giallo. It's, right. it's really funny. It's a transition from the written to film. Right. And Bob is looking at Hitchcock. He's looking right. at every other thriller that's coming out. In Probably the... Fritz Lang, I would think. Oh, yeah. I would, because he's got an obsession with doorways that I love. It's like I start watching for it the way you watch for action almost. It's hard to watch a Bob film that you don't think is beautiful. Yeah. I mean, he makes beautiful movies. Yeah, even... I mean, there's beautiful shots in Kaltiki, which is a weird horror monster movie. And he, I think he's on credit as director. And it's 50s or something, like, uh, very early. And it still has really interesting atmospheric shots for what's a blob movie at the end. He can't help it. I mean, he's his father was a painter, I think, or he's a painter. But he's got an amazing sense oh. of composition. And, and that's a big thing in Jello. You know, so if you're looking at those pre-Bird of the... Crystal, crystal, crystal plumage, plumage and stuff. Yeah. I think one of the things that you get, if you take The Girl Who Knew Too Much mm. and Blood and Black Lace and shuffle them together <laughs> like a deck of cards, right. you get The Bird with Crystal Plumage because he's, he starts taking all those things. So yeah. I'm not sure if it's valid to call anything else really, Jill. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, There's so many arguments. Well, clearly, that. I think that when you get the cliches, the ones that you you almost laugh when they show up in a movie, you know you're in that country. So The Girl Who Knew Too Much, that's 1963. Clearly Hitchcock 
influence right in the title they say it's almost his spoof of the american abroad right so it's like it's the man who knew too much yeah with uh a girl who's hypersensitive to these mysteries she reads yeah. and that's the balance. other thing that's interesting is that uh, there's i don't know if it's meta exactly because it's not film but she's a mystery she's a giallo mystery fan who thinks through her actions through the books she's read it's black and white it's uh mario bava's last black and white I read. I love his black and white work, well, but he, I love his yeah. color. I mean, I just love, yeah. I've really fallen for his stuff, even if I don't particularly love a movie. Mm. But even his bad movies have something amazing in them. It's modern. When it's a Pan Am jet, an American woman reading a giallo with this hep song. Right. That strikes me as a departure to put that in a mystery horror. But if nothing else, it's, you know, there's drug references right off the bat. Um, she's fashion, there's, there's models, they don't play into it, but models runs through giallo, fashion, good-looking women, powerful men, sometimes powerful women. Once in a while, a good-looking man. There's some really weird-looking people in these. <laughs> they don't really care what the men look like, do they? The women are all picked to be as beautiful as possible, and the men look like Dick Tracy villains. Well, you get some genres of, you know, you get some subgroups where the men are always very chiseled. Yeah, when but, you don't but, get the American yeah, or yeah, foreign actor. Some of them are just, well, woof. <laughs> The jail universe, right off the bat, life is against you. World is against you, like in a noir or a mystery. She tries to get rid of the drugs that a guy gets. Right. She doesn't even know if they're drugs. A guy on a plane gets busted for drug possession. The minute she hits Italy, she's involved in a could it be its own plot. This does not come back except for a beat later on. She tries to get rid of the cigarettes that she thinks might be marijuana. Somebody's, somebody's always watching you. Somebody's always judging you or whatever. Life is against you. Somebody picks them up and gives it to her. That's her introduction to Italy. And our introduction to Italy, Italy is dangerous as hell in, in these movies. Um, you'd think that the police would have a giallo squad because <laughs> crazy shit's always happening. And the thing about Girl is that what I remember, what, going over it is, it's the most normal, for lack of, most traditional well, it giallo. It because it doesn't know it's a giallo, It feels I guess. Like, like a Hitchcock homage yeah like a kind of nod oh yeah hitchcock made movies like yeah. this yeah so yeah. you have that traveler sees something no one believes them right they start to doubt themselves right. conspiracy bodies right and let's romance not forget, right there's a romance in this one ultimately without giving any spoilers with yeah. this unless you know the book it's the abc murders which oh, is Agatha that's right Christie's book that's right that's and right the motivation is based on on that book. Yeah. So Agatha, that's another reference. Yeah. Look right. at that. And Agatha Christie is known she's to be a, reprinted in those yes, yellow she's, covers. She's a huge influence. There's Poe in these things, of course. The, the, there's Gothic writers. Edgar Wallace, the, the most famous, unfamous writer in the world uh, with huge influence. And I was wondering also if Woolrich ever got over there because there is the, the way coincidence. <laughs> Woolrich would fit right in with this craziness where, you know, you've got psychosexual, you've got the universe is going to crush you, like in those like goodness and all that stuff. And you've got, like, the world is only five people in this entire country, though. <laughs> Somehow you keep bumping into the right people who are connected to the right people. I found uh, Girl is interesting because it's actually a little more open. The characters are allowed to roam um there's a false sense of security the police are in this from the beginning and not unhelpful but i, I it's funny because there's a there's an almost occult uh element in one scene professor is at dinner with the girl who is trying to get everybody to believe that she's seen a murder and john saxon uh her 
love, romantic interest who's a doctor who I really like in this. He's terrific. I think he's great in this. I think he's. I think I. I think the acting is very strong in this one actually. Um, in that there's nobody who's ridiculous. I mean, not to make fun of a lot of the other films, but I like Saxon in in Tenebrae too. Tenebrae too. I forgot he's in that. But That's right. he looks so tired in so many of his movies does, that we watch. Those yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street movies. He's he is a gorgeous man, first of all. I just don't... He's also... I mean, he obviously is just working Europe like crazy. He's in English films around this... 64, he's, or something like that. He's in uh, Night Call from Outer Space. where He's also a great, fun romantic lead, which I'm surprised because he does look exhausted by the, by the 80s. Oh, yeah. Which is where we grew up seeing him. He's in one of those Roddenberry pilots, which were terrible. No. So I always just thought he was kind of a joke. To be honest, you know, growing up, I thought of John Saxon. He's one of those guys who goes to Europe and doesn't, he's just not very good. I think he's terrific. Yeah. I really enjoy him in this. I root for him. And you you aren't sure how deep he is in anything because he, right. they do keep things at arm's length. In this scene, they start talking about parapsychology. It's introduced, it's interesting that in the first Yalo, again, you have somebody talking about telepathy, parapsychology. Everybody's just kind of treating this as a, it's a weird scene because everybody's oh yeah sure yeah yeah mind transference and she's you know just to explain away that she didn't see this right um, but right from the beginning you have the possibility of going into psychic phenomena which you get in creepers you get in um, deep red and a few others and uh, it it just goes all over the place it drops like every little seed in there whether it means to or not um, I guess it doesn't mean to because it doesn't know that he was starting something. But it's, it's a beautiful looking movie. It doesn't look low budget to me. Oh, it, yeah. That's what's funny because I think everything he did was low budget practically. He uses a lot of outdoor scenes. It's just beautiful. You want to visit there. Yeah. Oh my I, God, that piazza. Although although this is not a good movie for Rome tourism. No, it isn't. It really isn't. I mean, it's trademark Bava and it really doesn't have much to do with Giallo. I guess it does actually because since, since Bava is so influential and Argento is so influential and takes... The way that they break down hallways, corridors, um, planes within planes, fields of vision, is amazing. It's it's there's some just beautiful scenes, and I think Bava is it's so natural for him. He sees it so well that he throws these things into scenes where you don't really need it. Doors that you can see in this sequence and break down into panels with other things. He does this a lot in the first half of Blood and Black Lace. I, I found that amazing. He finds ways to cut spaces into frames. And his foreground background stuff is amazing. He he loves to have something happening in the foreground, in deep focus. There's something going on in the background. And sometimes it's important. Uh, other times he's just showing relations to characters and stuff more. But it's a it's a beautiful film. It's breezy. Apparently he doesn't like it. He didn't like it, which yeah. is funny. Him and Argento not liking their more traditional movies which yeah. we were talking about earlier in the car yeah uh, he doesn't like what he doesn't like girl uh, bava did, did not like girl. he thought it was silly yeah. which is funny when you think about barren blood or you know uh hatchet for a honeymoon or i mean if that's if girl who knew too much is silly what's is it because it's not serious there's not it's not violent it's that evolution you know yeah. we're talking about girl what has in girl and then when you get to blood and black lace all of a sudden all those little jigsaw pieces yeah. start coming in yeah you can see blood and black lace seems like i mean i could be very wrong but it seems like a repudiation of it almost it's like everything in girl that he either didn't like or i think it was not popular did not do well and i'm just surprised because it's a really i mean this isn't a great thing to say about a giallo or it's a great fun enjoyable in some places it's the only charming giallo um it's a lot of fun i found myself 
totally into it again. The comedy works in places, which is rare in these. I mean, comedy working is rare in anything. It's really the first movie people should see for a lot of reasons. Because if you see it afterwards, it'll have less of an effect also. This old lady that she's staying with dies, natural causes, in a scene that's very Black Sabbath-y. Oh, yeah. If you've seen Black Sabbath. I was noticing, he likes to throw old ladies in weird beds. <laughs> and, you know, they, if an old lady gets in a, one of those bava beds, they don't spend any time in the rest of the movie unless they're a ghost. She ends up in this plaza, this beautiful, the, I forget what it's called, the Spagna, Piazza Spagna, whatever. It's a gorgeous open area surrounded by houses and whatnot and in a really neat series of events and shots she witnesses a murder kind of she has her purse stolen she then sees this she passes out it rains so evidence is destroyed uh the body is moved somebody does something to her body during the nothing crazy she i think pours alcohol or you know to make it look like she's drunk or something like that i why is it to revive her is it to st- so this is what happens all these shadowy figures enter her life she ends up in the hospital and literally the doctors ask her if she's a little too obsessed with mystery novels right and they use the word giallo twice i, I play you know not a big detect but i was like wow it's i didn't remember that you actually hear giallo said in the first giallo it's a cute little bit of business sure. to notice and then john saxon really likes her and he's putting up with her and she ends up staying in this woman's house she has one to stay in the dead woman's big big empty house so she goes into another fairly large empty house. It's It becomes known that she possibly saw a murder and things spiral out of control there in a very stylish, interesting, mysterious way. There are people following her. The full Giallo costume isn't out yet, I think. No. But it stands in just fine. But yeah, Girl Who Knew Too Much is just a solid, fun movie, which I think disappoints a lot of horror fans. But to be honest, all three of the films that we're discussing in depth here, Girl, uh, uh, Blood and Black Lace, and uh with the crystal plumage all three of them are barely horror in a lot of ways that well, i that some people might see well, it if they they're much more police thriller yeah, mystery the, the way i look at it is it, the girl who knew too much fish out of water noir yeah. murder mystery with blood and black lace you get a full costume killer like we, full could, you could so we'll move on to blood and black lace a house of high fashion a dazzling whirl of elegance of exotic extravagant beauties an adventurous journey into the devastating allure of the most sophisticated women and their intimate secrets. Suddenly, these lace curtains ignite a drama that will lacerate your emotions. Blood and black lace. I would love to see somebody cut that movie down to make it look like a question movie. Because <laughs> I was I was like, shit, it's the question. Uh, the DC character, he's faceless mask. Oh, yeah. It looks like multiple nylons. Right. Black hat. Uh, it's a fo- big... Big mother. Yeah. It's a formidable killer. I think that movie moves away from the classic thriller, fish out of water, how will we figure this out, whatever, to being kind of like a horror movie. Yeah, there's, there's torture, there's gothic touches in there, That there's the basement, there's this one character gets brutalized. It really almost feels like Bava said, okay, they didn't like girl with, I mean, I don't know if... Blood and Black Lace comes exactly next. It's a year later. I think there's another movie in there because they were just pounding stuff out. But watching them one after the other, it's a sea change in a lot of ways. Yeah, It, it goes from black and white to color. It's very violent. I mean, it's actually violent for now in some ways. They brutalize some of the women in a way that they do not in uh, Girl Who Knew Too Much. Right. The, the killings are on screen. In The Girl Who Knew Too Much, 
there's only, I think, one person is killed on screen. If, you're, if you haven't seen Blood and Black Lace, do not watch Blood and Lace. Why not? Don't watch it thinking you watch it because oh, it's got a similar title sure. and people have apparently stumbled into Blood and Lace, which is an American movie with Vic Tavak. We've seen it. You can pretty much tell because one's ugly as sin and one's beautiful. One has Vic Ta- yeah, one has Vic Tabak, Jane from F Troop, and <laughs> Gloria Graham, a, a woman who married her stepson. But Blood and Black Lace is the first one that goes straight into the world of fashion, has lots of women. So, it's about beautiful women in beautiful clothing yeah. and a maniac killing them. Right. Right off the bat, somebody is killed and it sets off a mystery. And in fact, you don't know what the problem is in this one for a while, which is cool. It's a little contrived, but basically it's for the first part of the movie is get to know your characters who have no personality whatsoever. That I found kind of jarring because he did such a nice job in Girl Who Knew Too Much. I know giallos don't care about character. People are chess pieces. But literally, the, I, I'm sure people have noticed it. The mannequins in this movie, the characters are, are mannequins. They're moved around. They're well, not yeah, The dead. opening title sequence kind of I applies. love the opening t- title sequence, which is just... I mean, that's the whole thing. If you can put a title sequence that has nothing eerie in it and it's just cool in style, that's giallo. Um, it's just... I love it. All the characters are introduced to this crazy music this pretty cool music oh, i mean yeah. the music's a big part of giallo obviously um and it's they're all in uh actually i think they're all in the salon right. this huge salon which is a mansion crazy old mansion another thing that's always in <laughs> giallo's is old houses uh big they're all introduced with this self same importance who is who there's a lot of character a lot more characters in fact they, ex- they expand the victims they expand who could be the red herrings and that was cut up on afterwards. Um, the uh, American distributors hated it and hired uh, animators to do I haven't seen the other, but I, I was like, this jumps you right in. This oh, is beautiful. Yeah. It tells you everything you need to know about the style. And yeah, it's about somebody's going around murdering people in a question costume. Uh, and it's vicious. This, there's, there's one murder, there's a couple of murder set pieces in the first half. It bogs down for me after that. Once this one character is bunked off. Unfortunately, I think where the girl who knew too much is never boring. Yeah, exactly. Uh, It is a short film, too. The Italian clocks in under 90 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Um, Where Blood and Black Lace gets a little dull. It's it's padded out in places. Uh, They spend a lot of time with the police. Everything's a red herring, and the police almost always do nothing for the movie. Yeah, they're waste of time. Very rarely. It's actually kind of nice when they ever do anything for the hero or something other than yell at them or steal their pa- take their passport away from them <laughs> or give them shit or, you know, steer them in the wrong direction. The thing is, in Blood and Black Lace, yeah, you've got um, some real brutal stuff. Um, some real right in your face that harkens back to his horror work, Bob's horror work. There's one killing... Uh, Probably like the nice, most the the best put together sequence in the antique store. The suit of armor comes into play. That's like straight out of Black Sunday, you know. And it's really like whoa, and it just goes for you in a way that the last film doesn't. The girl, and it's pretty crazy. Um, I think it does some dumb things at the end that hurt it. Yeah, I feel the reveal. The reveals is too early. The reveals too early. It's about as boring as Cameron Mitchell. Cameron Mitchell's the worst. I just for a second. Giallo at Italy knows all the actors I don't like. All, all the actors that aren't exciting. You want Christopher George? We got lots of Christopher George. You want Tony uh, Musanti? Anthony Franciosa? I mean, 
these are stiffs. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, Cameron Mitchell, for Christ's sakes, I, he, he stinks up everything. He's boring in How to Marry a Millionaire. <laughs> and, you know, he's younger. He's young and he's slow. He's but he doesn't look like he's in his own movies. No, he looks like a tired John Saxon. <laughs> Too tired John Saxon. He's always looking as if there's something somebody calling him off screen, like he, they've got a sandwich or a bottle of booze. Bottle of booze, more like it. And, and he's J and B. He's so fucking boring. He just doesn't. He doesn't work in any single way in this film. Uh, the other weird thing is this is one of the few films. This one of the few films I can remember. I don't know who the hell the protagonist is for most of the movie. I don't know if that's designed or not. You think you know who the main character is. Anybody could have taken this movie over at any time. They could have gotten the ball and run for the touchdown because it's all over the place as right. far as the characters goes. It is following all these people. It's less about a romance. Yeah. Like Girl Who Knew Too Much. Yeah. It's less about a mystery that yeah. someone's actively trying to solve in a logical fashion. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And more of, look at that kill. That color could never be on the wall. Yeah. Yeah, it really, it, like it really is. Check out the girls now. Check them out being stabbed yeah. to death. Um, but yeah, it, that's the other thing. It feels like the first movie that I can recall seeing, earliest movie where it's really the kills. That's the that's the that's the big thing there. Besides the beautiful palette and the camera work, but Bava was doing things like that before. There's some beautiful colors in Planet of the Vampires. Oh, nobody yeah. ran off and made space movies with well, except Alien, but <laughs> nobody ran off and made multicolored space movies. But uh, the body count, the watch them die, is pushed the way that we know from slashes. I don't know that from any other movie other than maybe Psycho, of course. I mean, Psycho is the wellspring for so many things. The sure. kills are important in Psycho, but there's not that many of them. No, and the mummified body, because Italy loves mummified bodies, too. <laughs> they they show up. So they, that's one of the things that freak me out about early Italian movies, is they love to have a corpse in some way that just does not look like a Hollywood corpse. Scary. Yeah. So I I liked Blood and Black Lace, but I didn't love it. Yeah. But I loved watching it. I would watch it again just to experience oh, a lot of it. But I wish the second half was more fun, and I wish the last twenty minutes was better. That's what kind of happens, I think, on rewatching these. Yeah. Is it's about the experience, yeah. and I miss that yeah. and that, and not so much of I'm on the roller coaster. It's gonna. Yeah. Then they're not necessarily great roller coasters. They stop and start. They they're very fitful. A lot of them, and that's. Yeah. Um, but the the ones that are more traditional run through, but. Yeah, I mean, Giallo is Giallo, right? That's what I seem to see people saying. Yeah, you gotta take, you gotta accept certain things, yeah. and I couldn't do that. And now, with your help, oh. I appreciate it. No, but I yeah. am, I, I still get mad at the movies though, because my first instinct is sometimes I'm laughing out loud, and you don't want to laugh out loud necessarily. Footsteps on the stairs, a shadow under the door, a reflection from a knife. And all the screaming in the world won't help. In the Hitchcock tradition, the bird with the crystal plumage. The bird with the crystal plumage. That was a film I saw all the time as a kid. Yeah. I saw it on Channel 9. I never caught it. I never and caught it. Yeah. So I have this, I think it's Channel 9, I have this memory of like... Good chance. It's Sunday... Channel 9 would show rougher stuff yeah. because they felt like nobody was watching except kids, yeah. I think. And I, and I grew to love that and I think that... When did you first see it? Oh, I probably early teens. Really? Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe yeah. you know, maybe as early as eleven or twelve. Wow. You know, there's some. But it's on TV, and they do cut these things up, so yeah. they're cut to shit. But even so, um, you know, it's one of those movies that 
the ad for it mm. is a man pounding on glass and screaming. Right. And it's like, what's going on? Right. And, um, and this is 1970. Bird right. with the Crystal Plumage is Argento's first job? Right. Yeah. Okay. First film. Really? Oh, yeah. He was working on he other was, films. He was like a the screenwriter. <laughs> okay. Well, you know why we're laughing. Because I know why you're laughing. I know, you know why How I'm dare laughing. you? But where you have this incredible fondness for Bava, I've grown to have that for Argento. Sure. I love yeah. him yeah. in a very weird way. <laughs> you're right. Bird with the Crystal Plumage is... I, I watch it like once a year, I think. So Bird with the Crystal Plumage is about uh, Tony Misanto. Yes, who we're, gonna, who we're going to call Toma from now on because he's this is pre Toma Tony Misanthi. <laughs> it sounds and like a medical. Is thing. another incredibly you know apparently he okay this is jumping the gun apparently he bugged the shit out of Dario Argenta because what I like to do is I like to separate what I read after the movie and not act like I knew it. Sure. So I'm looking this stuff up. This was killing me. First of all, Tony Misanthi or Misanthi, he's a uh, method actor, and in this movie he plays a guy who has to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Because he doesn't fucking do anything. He's pretty boring. He's another... They bring over another American actor when they could have had a plank of wood with like a Groucho glasses on but, it. But think about He's it. so Argento boring. Argento has a recipe. I want to make this movie, right? Yeah. So what, is, what ingredients does he use? He uses kind of the setting and situation with characters from The Girl Who Knew Too Much. Mm. He uses the costume... Of the killer, tweaked a little yeah. in that. Yeah. He puts point of view shots in yep. it. He ma- he makes the. He's got the, the set pieces. Yeah, the set pieces. Yeah. And it's the scenery is important. And it's beautiful. Wide shots coming in, um, coming in on the characters, really in, placing the camera in some odd places, really right. nicely. Entrances and exits. Right. And in the point of view of people watching a murder or something in the beginning is very important. And what he'll do over and over again is his character sees something yeah. and spends the rest of the moment going, I don't understand what I saw. What did I see? Did I see that? And I have, to keep, I, do that? I have to keep digging at this for reasons giallo. <laughs> I have to stay. In, in fact, in both, in so many movies, they're like, well, you can go home now. I can't. The plots really don't matter. But we're just, I'm just doing this right. because you tend to talk so, about right. movies. So, so our, our hero is walking along and there's a gallery yeah, built. This was called the Gallery Murders, apparently, or something like yeah. that. Oh, oh I, so let me just tell you real quick because I forgot. Tony Misanthi apparently bugs the shit out of Dario Gento because he wants to know more about his character, so he shows up at his house at like three in the morning, <laughs> and apparently Dario Gento is going bonkers. He goes, "This American idiot keeps coming over and asking," <laughs> and you're like, "What is your? You saw something? Go home. We're paying you." Uh, but yeah, he was like constantly. The funny thing is, you see none of that in the movie. I don't. I don't. I, Argento didn't give him guidance on the inner monologue that our hero has throughout the whole no movie. you feel like he probably talks to the murderers a lot <laughs> takes them out for lunch you know what i mean yeah. i'm gonna be your hands for this scene oh yeah he i'm likes gonna to be the i'm hands. gonna choke my wife yeah yeah oh well dario so yeah you were saying guy so, walks out so, so he's walking and, and there's, and there's a, a gallery yeah that's built like no building yeah more this modern is, stuff too yeah it's crazy this is where argento is going to be I'm going to give you a building or a place where people are that doesn't exist in the real world anywhere, really, or is so weird. Maybe it was real and he thought, well, it's weird, but it looks so bizarre. And he he witnesses someone being attacked. And this is very rear window. You get a lot of this voyeurism going through these movies, too, but this is clearly rear window. And so he... 
so he sees this. And I guess the girl knew too much too. Sorry, yeah, but yeah. He gets. Uh, this is my favorite scene in the movie. Yeah, he gets trapped. Unfortunately. In this decompression yes. area, the, the woman, of the... that doesn't make any. I could. I was like, <laughs> art, art galleries have double security doors to hold zombies in. Exactly. It makes a zombie pen. Well, Lucio Fulci was walking by. Police come. They interview him, and it starts that thing that will happen over and over again. Yeah. It happens in Deep Red. It happens in Tenebre. It happens in Trauma. Our our character sees something that he doesn't process yeah. right. We see it too. Yeah. And is it a cheat? It's, it is a cheat. I it, believe it is a cheat. It's a cheat in the sense that... That's why I like Deep Red that he doesn't do it, which is interesting. Yeah. In this... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If we're, if we're not going to say exactly what the mystery is... The whole movie is him digging into his memory, which becomes a right. thing. And... It changes a lot, it seems. <laughs> and then, you know, we'll have this thing where he's... Yeah, he's walking out. Yeah. He'll, he'll meet wacky people. He oh my will, God! Do they meet wacky people in this? Thing? He will. He will. He will be attacked by taxi drivers or whatever. The, oh, <laughs> he gets attacked by Reggie Nolder. He gets attacked by uh, 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 the master from Salem's Lot. Uh, and it's that scene is doesn't work for me. But any, it's it's very it's that's the topaz scene. I was it's like here's topaz. It's a great scene that doesn't necessarily belong in it, that movie. It takes up too much time. Yeah. I thought it was fine, but it has so many wrong turns of you know do you see that guy there no i'm gonna follow him even though he just shot at me like 18 times i mean i'm not blowing anything with that <laughs> the thing is at the, the it's based on a woman is being attacked by your giallo murderer right who we went have, to the giallo store and bought the giallo outfit he had seen blood and black lace and said yes. i want to kill someone. i love that or does he or does her <laughs> or does it it could be a cyber knot it could be two has there ever been a giallo where it's two or three Little people like doing the little rascals thing where they are trying to get into the movies. Oh, be great. So they wear the Giallo suit to get into the movies, but it's actually alfalfa on oh, top. That'd be great. That would be a good because yeah. there'd be no. That person couldn't have dropped, climbed a wall and dropped over. Doesn't matter. Giallo. Scotty, fuck you. Throw that sculpture at that Dad. guy. Yeah, it has killer art, this movie. This is the first one that has kill dangerous art. Dangerous art. Yeah. So yeah, you've got the high fashion gallery, you've got good looking women, uh, but that scene is terrific. The opening scene where he sees this attempted murder. So this is the weird thing, though. When when you have a movie that has tropes that they stick to so hard, if they ever break, I won't say what, if they ever break the trope, it's practically like yeah, why? the Monty Python giant hand of God coming down and going, this is a problem. Right. Think about this. It's coming back. Right. But this and is, that's a big... But you didn't watch... The, this is the first one. This is the trope. Second one. This is the one that Second makes one. money. Yeah, it makes it. Yeah. And then everyone says, we can make So, he, yeah, he goes around Italy and he has contacts. Somehow he's like more Italian, even though he's American. He knows people in the underground. I, I never quite understood that. He's going back to America with his British girlfriend. Uh, and somehow he has contacts in the underworld. Knows prison. He gets he gets links to prisoners. The police tell him where the victims. I mean, this is where you get into the what the fuck of Giallo. The police tell him the uh, the victim's home address, so he can go talk to her. Who the fuck does that? The the news the the, the Italian news starts talking about him and basically saying go kill this fucker. He saw you. Wow. I mean, they literally say his. I mean, they practically it's like the Running Man for, and and it's just him running. Yeah, every he runs into strange. People, right? There's a there's a lineup of perverts. One of whom is a transvestite, so they can have that joke, which is you know, Bava didn't do it. 
Fulci doesn't even do it. Why does he do it? You know, he love. It, it's really weird because this is the first movie where the the pervert shows up a lot. The word pervert. Right. So well, he's it, equating these people with being wrong and perverse and the psychosexual. And this is where you get the murder is out of their mind because of sexual right. dysfunction and, and, or problems. Right. And even though Jally will evolve to have, like I say, more softcore sure. porn stuff and some more sleazy stuff. There isn't really a lot of sex no, in this movie no, at all. No, I was surprised. Um, Bay of Blood is actually more exploitative of women's bodies, except that this is maybe, they have some, you know, somebody gets their clothes ripped off, uh, things like that. For some reason, the guys, ne- nobody ever goes for their clothes. It's funny that way, isn't it? Nobody ever rips a guy's shirt. One shirt gets ripped in Cat of Nine Tails. David Hemmings, you wouldn't want to rip his shirt off? Oh, God. He's so little, too. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I haven't seen Blowout. So, I mean, I get why you would hire him. He is, uh, well, that's back to every, all roads lead to deep red. Yeah. But yeah, Bird with the Crystal Plumage, is, I, I thought it was, it was less crazy than I expected because oh, yeah. Argento gets, for lack of a better word, more experimental crazy. But it's, it's pretty impressive for a first movie. It is, it is. Um, his fans are like, I, you know, I started digging into what people say, and of course it's a masterpiece, it's the best first movie ever made, and things like that, and I'm like, I don't even know what to compare it to, so whatever. Mm. Um, but it, it is it is impressive, and it hangs together for real. I found it really dull. I found it really dull coming into it this many years later. But the problem with all three films is that, again, being able to have home video movie revival houses in New York City we could go see you know I could finally catch up on Carnival of Souls when I'm in my 20s a lot of people doesn't you didn't have that in 1970 generally uh, for the average person especially so I came to Giallo through later films which are copying these three films relentlessly oh yeah so it's kind of like a person watching Jaws today might wonder what the big deal is I saw The Exorcist late in life and I liked it and I appreciate it, but it didn't go bonkers. It didn't scare. If I saw it as a kid, it would have sent me home screaming. Of course. But these are films that have been so torn apart, ripped off. Halloween, the first one, that coming to them after all the copycats, it's going to blunt the experience. So I think this definitely is what happened with Bird with the Crystal Plumage. I have to be honest that I think that when I think of all these films I've seen, they're dull in spots. Yeah. They're not a, a rip-roaring, no. like, from beginning to end go. There's a lot of, you know, it's it's honestly, it's my problem with spaghetti westerns. Yeah, I, I agree. Italian yeah. westerns start off amazing, get really dull to me in the middle, and then end amazing. Well, the thing is, they're really based on the set pieces so heavily. Bird with the Crystal Plumage, what did we take from that? Well, what does Giallo get? The sex killer recipe that yeah. everyone knows how to copy now. yeah you get it really is the template sexier. isn't it yeah it is it's the costume it's the gory murders. well it's sexy it's sexier in certain yeah it it's actually, sexier than the other two bava yeah that yeah yeah it is it is it's more overt there's there's actual sex or As implied just sex beautiful bava does not ever have anybody fool around no it's just you know people kiss weird in, in, they they're very cold and cool in yeah, fact yeah um yeah a kiss is almost like an attack in uh in girl right. in uh, blood and black lace all these beautiful people don't hook up yeah they don't really have time to but you know 
in this one you do have you have in fact a ridiculous scene where um two like what the fucks in a row where a character takes a piece of evidence away and nobody goes you know maybe we shouldn't let that happen and two people just basically start getting it on right in front of their friend and i'm like okay italy must have been pretty wild maybe but uh, i usually don't start fucking until everyone's gone (laughs) including the person who i was gonna sleep with (laughs) and i mean like my brain watching this movie is the second main act the second main act of violence upping the level of the conspiracy of the murderer and everything is somebody tries to kill toma with a hatchet uh in the middle of the street and there's a witness and he just does he just goes home and laughs this shit off well he's smarter than toma he doesn't call the police even though the police are already involved he tells his girlfriend and the two of them just laugh it off. They go, they, they do their research on the murder as if they're house hunting. They're just like clipping things and laughing. It's a little fucking weird. And I think that when you read and watch interviews with Argento, I think he just didn't care. I, think I don't think he pe- has any, any need to deal with human beings. I think, I think if someone told him, hey, don't you think you need a scene here that makes a little sense? He would be like, no. He's not into it. Because you can tell from a screenwriting point, the scene where uh, uh, Toma is, the cops bring Toma in to a lineup. They got their top perverts, which, you know, because we all know they just start killing. He didn't see anything. He never saw a face. He never said he saw a face. So they want him to look at faces even after they agreed he doesn't know anything. They bring him in so that they can, because they need that to bring up the sex angle. Um, he, they tell every, as the people walk over to have some titillation and to get some research into this thing, the police tell everyone their rap sheet out loud. Doesn't bias the witness at all. It's just, it's like, right. yeah, 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 you know, and then you get to the transvestite and they all make fun of the transvestite. It's, it's, it's really not a very good way to learn to be a it must have been interesting detective. to watch that movie in america in 1970 and let's say you are a hitchcock fan you're going okay this is the you know let's watch and you're just like you know imagine if you were a big detective fan and you were uptight like me you must have been walking out of the theater going crazy you know what i mean they, you know like that's no investigate they give people clues they constantly give them clues you know yeah because that's not they don't want the cops to do anything they don't want it and they don't want to mesh those things i was surprised in in crystal plumage that the cops were doing forensics at all What's the point of doing forensics in a movie? There's no truth. And that's the separation you have to do if you're going to enjoy these films. That's what I'm trying to do. And that's what people... I I do think you have to warn people that I don't think they're stupid. That's what I used to think. I honestly thought they were stupid. It was, was, you know, an immature approach. But if I don't think Japan's stupid for having this Kabuki and No theater in Kuroneko, I've got to accept basically what the the, the Grand Guignol stuff. You know the story behind... They screen Bird with the Crystal Plumage, right? You know this story? No, no. So they, um, I think it's... Um, yeah, I'm learning. I'm just Ar- reading all this now. It's Argento's father, I think, is in it, and the head of the studio, and they see it, and they hate it. Yeah. They hate really? it. Really? It's, it's, they, they... Is his father the producer? Is that the guy who produces his films? Or so, a cotton yeah. uncle or something? Yeah, yeah there's a lot brother, of... Yeah, there's a lot of... Lenzies, Umberto's, yeah. and uh, so, Argento's, yeah. So... So they hate it. They hate it. The story goes... Does it say you know why they hated it? Because They thought I, it was bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they didn't they just, think it was a good movie. Right. They walk out. They notice that a woman who works with them is all jittery. Right. And they ask her what's wrong, and she goes, that movie scared the shit out of me. Really? They still think, yeah. They still think the movie... But they trust the audience on that one. They didn't. But they... They, they trusted her. They, I mean. tr- they 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 trusted it enough to like put it in little places, right. and eventually, 
Um, they went to a theater and it was filled with people and people loved it. it That's found crazy. An though. audience. You, you know, at least they pushed it through because you always hear about audience cards come in, reshoot, right. but blah, all, blah, blah. But it also helps, I guess, that you're just trying to, ch- they're churning movies out. I well, mean, yeah. these were not serious movies necessarily. Right. But I also think that they're, it's not just you who look at these movies and say, these yeah. movies have problems in classic yeah. storytelling techniques. But, they, and but logic. I, guess when, I guess also if you think about it, Logically, there's no reason to fix those tropes. There's no reason to, because then you don't have a giallo girl with the uh, who knew too much, which is not as you know what I mean. The progenitor is never as as much of an example of the of the genre, because they're it's they're adding to that. And not only did that movie not do well in Italy, it's considered very tame by horror fans. It's not well regarded, you know, uh, on the whole. It's not the first. It's never on the list. Right, Halloween starts it all. Yeah. But before Halloween, there's Black Christmas, there's Texas Chainsaw, right. and right. there's dozens And a bunch of, of other things that we probably have never... The, the Blood and Lace has yeah. a Halloween. The, the damn movie we were talking about before, that terrible movie, uh, has an influential scene or two in it. Mm. Because these you watch movies. Movie makers love movies. And they you, you take things. Right. And, you know, and then the boogeyman takes it, and then something else takes it, and you, then it becomes a cliche. Mm. So... Later on, they, they, I guess the supernatural comes in. The kills get crazier. Right. And Bird with the Crystal Plumage, I mean, it's got a lot to recommend it. A lot oh. of interesting scenes. And also, uh, you know, it's part of the triumvirate. I mean, I didn't find it brilliant or masterful or stunning, to be honest. I found it a cracking good experience. If You, yeah. you know what I mean? I actually enjoyed Blood and Black Lace more because the overwhelming art direction and everything is just, it's just, it's just more eye candy. Join the boys next time as they conclude their talk about Jello. Meanwhile, hit so, me. So we have a new segment on the podcast. It's it, what would that be? I don't know. What is it? We don't have a name for it, do we? No. It's really just like what we watched. So it's movies we've just watched. Movies we watched since uh, last time we did an episode. What we watched. Matongo, the horrible mushrooms. Matongo, the vegetable monster. Can they escape the dreaded Matongo? You'll find out when you see Matongo. I got to finally see Matango, Attack of the Mushroom People, which is sci-fi slash horror, but seems to... I've always wanted to see it because the mushroom monsters look hilarious. You don't actually see them that well. Uh, Because they're toys and everything, I thought that we were going to be just... I thought it was going to be a lot of people running away from mushrooms, and that's really not what it is. Mm. It's creepy. Yeah. It's got a weird griminess. It's a lot creepier than I would expect from uh, Ishiro Honda. Um, See, I've never seen it. Is it a body horror film? Oh, hell yeah. yeah. That's definitely part of it. Um, it's, yeah, I thought it was just, you know, Navy versus the Night Monsters with no Navy. Okay. And um, it's cool. It's creepier. It's, it's got more a sense of dread. I mean, it's not like, you know, oh my God, scary or anything like that. I probably would have been scared from it as a kid. But it's, um, it's got some really interesting sets. It's a downer. And it's it's uh, pretty much acknowledged that it's probably based on William Hope Hodgson's uh, story. I can't remember what it is, but it's basically about you know a, a a an island where people are affected by a fungus, and it's a story that I really really like. It's a short short story, and they just go with it, and it's I just I think it's really cool. It's really I mean your enjoyment might rest on how are you about people in monster suits. I'm good with that. You know, but I really enjoy, I enjoyed it more as a movie than I expected. 
Okay. If you know what I'm saying. And the what I liked about the uh, the main set, because they end up on this ship that's run aground, is that it really looks like a predecessor to a lot of games like Resident Evil and whatnot. It's just dirty and grimy and water everywhere. And so it really reminded me of playing Resident Evil or Silent Hill in a weird way. And this is a film you didn't see because it was too scary as a This kid? is a film that I could not find or catch. Okay. I didn't... It, I, I wanted to see it as, you know, older as in the Japanese as Matango and... Um, but it was Attack of the Mushroom People, which gives you a bigger sense of... It sounds like Attack of the Puppet People. It sounds right. like, a, you sure. know, uh, the Killer Shrews. I expected it to be a lot fluffier. But I don't remember... Did You You didn't see it. I don't remember it being on television. I tried to buy a DVD that it was on, didn't get it. You lent me a disc of it. It wouldn't. It was corrupted. <laughs> so I finally got to see it, and I really liked it. Also, the, it's, the copy is so beautiful and clean. The, yeah. It's Toho scope or whatever the hell. Mm-hmm. Colors are really nice. It's just... It's a pretty film. It's it's just neat, and it's not like a Godzilla film or anything. It was it was. It's more like um, Goki Body Snatcher from Hell, which I can I, I don't think is Toho, but so I was so happy. A sleepy little town will soon wake to a living nightmare of violence and death at the menacing claws of the creature from the bog. Could we have a Dracula running loose out there? And I, I watched the that. bog. The bog. Oh bog. Oh right, because I said I wanted a bog, and you said don't. Yeah. What is the bog? Don't um, know anything about the bog. Someone's dynamite fishing. <laughs> As they will. It may have or may not have released something. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Aldo Ray's in it. Oh, when was this made? It can't um, be new if Aldo Ray's in it unless they dug him. They the dynamite blew, the dynamite blew Aldo Ray out of something. Seventy nine. I have not heard of this. You know. I'm sure I've read it because I read the Psychotronic like an idiot front to back when I was younger both of them it's it's just the bog is it a guy in, did something come out is there a guy in a suit or is it oh a, yeah, yeah oh yeah is a guy in a suit yeah a guy in a suit probably watch it yeah I'll probably draw it yeah oh is it, it's better than Octoman because that's nature coming back to, to you know what I mean <laughs> boy am I scared of when nature comes back to, to show man yeah what is that Blue Oyster called about Godzilla <laughs> nature oh well nature kicks our ass it's doing it right now yeah. but yeah that was, so that was bad yeah Scare Jessica to death. The screen has captured cold, deadly horror before. But this time it's all turned loose in your direction. Finally watched Let's Scare Jessica to Death. Which I absolutely love. I loved it. I love that movie. I loved it. I can understand people not liking it and I'm not saying they're wrong. I think it's I such a seventies movie, too. When you watch that movie, it's not what you think it is. Not at all. Not at all. And I won't say anything about it. It's just... It's I won't just, say anything it's about t- it. It's terrific. Because there's an element to it. No, it's it's nothing like I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be like a giallo. Yeah. I thought it was going to be like Let's Night, The Night Evelyn Came Out of the Grave. You know, it has a very... I really thought that that was like a double feature I should watch together. And they are nowhere alike. It has that cliched, someone comes out of a place because their head wasn't in the right... right. They go to a different... Lo- they go to a location... And there's something going on. And they're like, are you crazy? Right. The hysterical woman being, uh, is she being manipulated or played? That's what I thought it was going to be. There's elements of that. Right. It is a slow movie. There are some awkward scenes. I think it's scary. It doesn't make you jump, but it's, there's a sense of dread. There's a sense of, it feels like reading a good short horror story. Yeah. You you do feel like you're fucked. Uh, Slow Carl Edward Wagner. It's it's got elements of traditional horror, elements of cosmic horror, that if you, of weird fiction, not cosmic horror really. It's deeper. You have to make it. You have to answer a lot of questions yourself and think about it. Yeah. Could you name another movie that's like it? I don't think so. 
nothing comes I think we can, but, you know, we'd have to really sit down yeah, and go a, through. It would not, you know, not offhand. I mean, it's no, hard it's, enough to just remember what, I, you know, if I didn't write these things down. I mean, it's not visually stunning, but it's visually pleasing in some of its uh, sense of place and composition. The actor who is the main character, I, th- I think she does a good job. A lot of people seem to think the acting's all terrible. I think that the acting is what it needs to be, if that makes any sense. I think that if the acting was different, it might make a different film in some places. And I found some of the awkwardness really works. She was the oh boy, oh Goya commercial. The woman who, who sold Goya in our, that might have been local ads. Well, also, I think works in the fact that everything's real. The buildings are real. Yeah. Well, I love that about low budget. It feels like I'm in someone's crappy little house being scared shitless. Yeah. And what's interesting is that it opens up flower of, of this plot, which is small. But it opens up in detail. I mean, yeah, it, rem- it reminds me of like kind of reading like, you know, a, a more sedate Laird Baron or, or, or Nathan Ballingrid is you never see them in the city driving up. I think for one, there's, there's so many. I would like to see it again because this thing has tropes from so many different kinds of films. I don't even know if they meant to do it. Yeah. It's a weird film. It's yeah. a weird film that gets dismissed. And I always wanted to see it because there's a shot uh, in the Psychotronic book that shows a seance. But th- I, is this a supernatural movie? Is this a uh, um, diabolique? Oh, I see what you mean. You know what I'm saying? Are they? Mm. Oh. It's but it's got elements of all of it, right? And then it's got you yeah. got to be kidding me. It could be an old ghost story. It yeah. could be kind of. You, it could have been. It could. It could. It could be a slasher. It could be a zombie movie. It could be anything. That's yeah. what I'm saying. It could be a traditional yeah. film, but I don't mm. even want to say. Yeah. I found it quietly exciting because I didn't know where it was going to go, and then when it was over, I was like, "Wow!" If a movie is slow. You don't want to take your eyes off it because you're like, what the fuck is going on? Right. Not because of it's so crazy and yeah. over the top and yeah. loud. But or, I'm, that, I, or I'm watching the lighting because that's my job. Or yeah, it's just, I'm it's, hooked on some element. I really, really yeah, liked it. I'm terrific. amazed that hasn't been re, re, uh, remade because there are so many ways that you can keep it the way it is and just up the, the production values but keep it... More, as psychological as you want. Yeah, yeah. They go to a strange town where then nobody likes them. They go into a strange house that has secrets. They're, they they have uh, it, mental issues. They got the haunting where you've got a person who's but who should not have been brought into this house. Right. Possibly you've got. Um, do I trust husband? Do we, yeah exactly. You've got. Do I trust the husband? Do I trust the friend? Do I trust the the stranger? What's going on in the town? What is that? What is what? It's really crazy. That's an odd picture a, I found. Right, right. There's a past story. There's local folklore and ghost stuff. Yeah. It's true, and it all does this with very few characters. Um, it's it's. I really think like it's the kind of film where I mean everyone should see it if you're going to make a horror film and go. This is ways to break down information in a screenplay when you don't have a lot of money instead of just having people chasing you around you know what i mean or right. you know here's dead chickens here's dead you know there's definitely room in this in this story where you could pump up visceral stuff and whatnot and make this a new film and well, there's I, a, there's several mysteries i mean it's it's a really interesting film and I, I really enjoyed it yeah and i th- i could see why people have problems with it it is incredibly slow and it's awkward in places and it's weird and yeah. it's low budget and it's of a time yeah i don't want to talk about it doesn't have a it doesn't have a completely clean ending you know, there's still some questions. Some people don't like questions at the end of something. Uh, and some people think the acting's terrible, you know, because it's, it's low budget and it's creaky. But, and yeah, hippies, there's hippies. There's, there's some real looking people in there looking really scary. Yeah. There's two strange people in the movie. There's two strangers. There's, the, there, there's a character that you see in the distance. 
they get a lot into it. I never even thought about how many. That's a bingo card full of tropes for a film that rarely raises its voice. Well, thanks for listening to the podcast. Yeah, thank they, you very pe- much. People always say that at the end of a podcast. Yeah, thanks for everybody who listened and chimed in. Uh, I wanted to thank uh, Sarah Dyer, my wife, for uh, working on the logo with me. I'm, I'm hoping to just draw a couple of little goofy things and we'll put them up. And so you were saying the response has been kind so far. Yeah, it's been really and, nice. And it has been. We don't. I would love to hear from people about things, but I don't want to argue with anybody. No. And um, we're all allowed to like what we like, and it doesn't. It's not your personality. You can follow the podcast at teartheapartpodcast.home.blog. Follow the podcast on Twitter at teartheampodcast. You can listen to the podcast on the website or on Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play. I can't read my notes because I wrote over them, which was hilarious. I knew I was doing it. All I see is David Hemmings. <laughs> He's dreamy. It says Dudley more or less. Yeah. <laughs>